Welcome to the Humans of Nutrition podcast, brought to you by Nutrition Talent, a consultancy and recruitment company specialising in the provision of nutrition expertise. I'm Dr. Danielle McCarthy. And I'm Anna Wheeler. This podcast delves into the world of nutrition to help unlock ideas and collaborative action so that everyone can thrive. So welcome to another episode of the Humans of Nutrition podcast. Um, Artificial intelligence or AI has been in the news such a lot recently and we are absolutely delighted to have you join us today Marcus to tell us about your experience working within the world of AI but particularly with nutrition. So welcome to the podcast. Hi Anna, good morning. Hi. Um, And I'm also obviously joined today by my co-host, Danielle McCarthy, who, in the interests of full transparency, actually joined Marcus's team at the end of last year, working part-time for Spoon Guru, alongside her role at Nutrition Talent. So your worlds are colliding today, Danielle, and of course, we're interested to hear your insights and experiences as well. Yeah, it's brilliant to have you all together. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. The two worlds collide. Um, So Marcus, again, welcome. Um, First of all, let's get to know you a little bit. Um, As I said in the intro there, your career started in the music industry, um, and I'm a massive music fan myself. um, So I'm actually really interested to understand how that came about in terms of that transition over to the world of food tech. So can you tell us a little bit about that and what skills and experiences did that that bring to the food tech world? (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a complete fluke uh, that I ended up in the in the food tech space. Um, I I originally grew up in Germany. I came uh, to England straight after school and I tried to pursue a career as a musician and I failed utterly. Oh, no. (laughs) Any commercial success. And I ended up at university studying music. And then somehow I ended up in the music industry for 13 years, um, which was a super exciting space because I joined the music industry just as the bottom literally fell out of the music industry. I don't know, some of you will probably remember Napster, the oh, original yeah. version of Napster, the illegal um, P2P platform. I joined the music industry when that was at the height and right. uh, overnight, you know, the, the industry collapsed. Yeah. And I was part of the team that had to make sense of this new digital world, you know. Um, and then Spotify launched as a subscription service and it was a really super exciting time um, to see that level of disruption. Yeah, a transformation, and I was quite happy in, in the music industry. Um, but um, through personal circumstances, um, my wife has a number of allergies and intolerances. Uh, all of a sudden, realized how, how difficult it is to find suitable foods for individual needs. And I saw her so many times in the supermarket trying to decipher the back of a pack. You know, what is an E two O four? Can I read it? Can I eat it? Can't I eat it? Mm-hmm. She needed to look it up on Google in the supermarket. Yeah. And I thought, you know, uh, 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 this is just crazy um, that it's still so hard, you know, to find the right foods for your specific needs because the foods existed. We 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 know that the the stuff is out there. It's just really difficult to find. So that's when I got together with um, two friends who became co-founders in, in Spoon Guru. Yeah. And that was eight and a half years ago now. Oh, right. A long time we, then now. It was, yeah, it's been a long time. And, and again, we've seen a lot of change. And especially now, there's more change happening um, through AI and, yeah. and chat GPT type scenarios. Um, but, you know, for my sins, none, none of the three founders are foodies, um, uh, and in fact, we met uh, Danielle pretty early on in our journey, and uh, we needed to get a crash course in nutrition you know, to, <laughs> to educate right. ourselves. 
<laughs> yeah, and that was that was really that was super insightful. Um, and I always love, I always reference what you said. It's okay to eat a donut. The problem is when you eat five donuts a day, you know, once a week is fine. And wow, that was such a relief for me to hear. <laughs> but um, the three of us are techies, really, or di digital subject matter experts. And we realized technology had evolved enough to hopefully architect a solution that helps people um, find the right foods for their individual dietary needs or health objectives. And, um, but because we are not, none of us are foodies, our first hire was actually nutritionist. Right. Because we, re we also realized there's no point in, in building something that is technologically sophisticated, but, but scientifically not accurate, yeah. you know, or nutritionally not re reliable. So our CTO, Simon, made a call straight away and he said, we need, we need subject matter expertise, we need nutritionists. And that's how we've really um, developed the company. Our, we operate at the intersection of health and technology and, you know, a substantial, um, um, a substantial part of our company are, are nutritionists, right? Um, they have a medical background and the other, the other half um, are technologists, really. Mm. And that's so exciting to hear that you, you almost built your company around around that nutrition expertise. And actually, it was really insightful of you to to have that understanding right from the start that that's what you needed, which is you know brilliant as us as as nutritionists to you know to hear that. And hopefully, other startup companies out there will will have the same mindset. Mm. And that gives us the confidence really to take our our solutions to market and we yeah. work with some of the biggest retailers in the world tesco for example in the yeah. in the uk have relied on our, on the quality of our um, food classification for more than four and a half years now and that is bec precisely because we 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 have a very robust methodology you know we we have we deploy something called the human in the loop which means there's always a qualified expert that supervises our methodology so everything we do is based on algorithmic processing or ai based processing which gives us scale and we, we crunch a huge amount of unstructured data on a mm. daily basis but we have that element of um, um you know we have that element of supervision which is provided by a nutritionist or a team of nutritionists and that gives us the confidence to go to market it even, you know, it gives us, uh, we indemnify our clients against third party claims, for example, we give right. an accuracy guarantee. And that is because we have confidence in the, in, in, in the methodology yeah. and how we, how we classify foods. Okay. Well, that's incredible. But one absolutely amazing, astounding fact I found on your website yesterday was that Spoon Guru has verified over 17 million product attributes, ingredients and claims, and the accuracy is guaranteed. Um, so mm. this is absolutely mind-blowing to me and I just wonder if you can tell us a little bit more about that but also exactly what is the Spoon Guru service you know what does it look like from a real practical point of view yeah <clears throat> you know at the heart of this of at the heart of the problem we're trying to solve is unstructured data so when we when we first set up the company naively I assumed I can just go to supermarkets and request their catalog, you know, their product mm -hmm. product feed, put it all into a nice database, put a nice interface on top and, and launch a consumer app. That was my assumption. Um, 
how we were going to build the company. And then I went to a number of supermarkets and, and Tesco was actually one of them. And, and we pitched our idea and they said, um, brilliant idea, but don't expect to get the data from us because we don't have clean structured data ourselves. And at first I thought, oh my God, you know, this is going to be impossible. Then I went to Simon, our CTO, and I said, I, I said I've probably oversimplified uh, how we're going to build this solution. And I almost apologized to him. And, and he said, no, that's actually really good news because if it's such a gnarly problem to solve that the biggest supermarkets on the planet can't solve it, then we have an opportunity to build something of real value. Oh, and I that's love basically that mindset. What, that's yeah, fantastic yeah, yeah, yeah. way of looking at a, a really it's, difficult problem. And then you have something that's defensible and is yeah. of actual value. And yeah. um, so that's, that's at the heart of what we do. We are, you can think of us as a... Uh, a data processing engine. We we receive um, product catalogs and recipes <clears throat> from our partners on a daily basis. Um, we then run it through our algorithms and assign hundreds and hundreds of dietary attributes to product catalogs and to recipes to make them discoverable. You know, a very simple example is a, a can of Coke doesn't say it's vegan or vegetarian on the, on the on the on the label. We assign those types of attributes. Is it low in cholesterol? Is it high in fiber? Is it kosher? Um, and we send that um, metadata back to our partners, and that allows them to provide a much more personalized and relevant and accurate um, shopping experience. Right. So we are not, you can think of us a little bit like Intel inside. You know, we, we, we are not consumer facing as such. Mm. We integrate into our partners' technology. Um, we are behind the scenes, yep. but the service or the data we provide back to our partners allow, allows them to ingest that capability into their search engines, into their apps, into their uh, in-store digital shelf technology, into their point-of-sale systems and so on. Okay. Oh, it's, it's, it absolutely sounds incredible. Um, I'm just thinking... Um, Again, another really interesting stat I found on your website was that 64% of shoppers actively exclude at least one food from their diets, which you know, is, is obviously a big number, but um, I, I'm one of them, I'm vegetarian. Um, so I'm just thinking, you know, what is, maybe you could give me an, an example, perhaps using Tesco that you mentioned of, of that consumer journey, you know, say I'm doing my online shopping at tesco.com. Mm -hmm. Other supermarkets are available, we should say. <laughs> um, you know, what would that look like and how would Spoon Guru help me to find those those vegetarian products easily? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, if you go to tesco.co.uk and you search for gluten-free cake or healthy desserts or vegan lasagna or kosher sausages, um, all the search results that come back are, are powered by Spoon Guru. Okay. Um, you can just search for sausages and then apply a filter, you know, oh, right. one of okay. many yeah. diet or lifestyle filters. But it's also integrated into their free text search. So if you search for veggie cake in, instead of vegetarian cake, you know, it, 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 it will work. Right. Um, other supermarkets have gone further. They've in introduced features like shop by diet. So in your case, you could simply go in and say, I'm vegetarian. And after that, the entire shopping experience would have been adjusted. Yeah. So if you say I'm vegetarian, vegetarian, and you then search for sausages, automatically you would only see vegetarian sausages. <laughs> now my really husband wouldn't work. like that, would he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. He's never going to get proper sausages again if I use that word. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, um, uh, but it's 
that that's fundamentally the vision we have for yeah. because I, we are all we're I mean, we, we run a business, but we're mm -hmm. also consumers. My yeah. wife is gluten-free. I'm vegan. Yeah. There isn't a single, to this day, actually, uh, there isn't a single supermarket on the planet that allows us to set up a profile mm. that says our household is gluten-free and vegan and then totally personalizes the experience. Right. I've been shopping with the same supermarket for over 20 years. I haven't eaten meat in 30 years. I still get bombarded with Christmas offers for Christmas turkeys every year. <laughs> Trying you know, to the lack of still. relevance. But it's, yeah. it's on the one hand, it's frustrating. On the other yeah. hand, if you look at, well, you all probably use Netflix or Spotify or YouTube. The more you use those types of services, the more curated the experience gets, mm. right? It starts to learn what you like and it starts to promote more of those things you're likely to consume. Why can't a supermarket follow a, sim a similar principle, yeah. you know? Because I would love to find out if new vegan stuff comes onto the market. Yeah, you yeah, know? me too. I'd love to discover exciting yeah. new foods and recipes. Yeah, Absolutely. and from a nutrition perspective as well, you know, there's so much around how nutrition-based stealth can really help people make healthier choices if food environments were be by default healthier, you know, and there's things that we can enter into programs which which ultimately do help define which of all of those choices that are presented which might have that healthier composition because of all of the information that exists on product and how we know from all of the evidence how we would define what might be healthier in this category compared to that category from a nutritionist perspective so you know there's just such potential to layer in people's existing habits and preferences and needs with what we might say as nutritionists are, is is a healthier option for them. So it's still giving choice, but it's it's making a healthier choice simpler. So the potential to help with, you know, food environments as well as food choices is, is huge. Um, because what I find what I find fascinating is the number of products that technology can help you find that are relevant to your needs compared to what from my previous experience working in manufacturers, for example, we've only got, when you're in that situation, how much information can fit on a label. And equally, we know that people don't always read the labels. But actually, this can be a way where that can all be interpreted, which, which ultimately helps kind of democratise access and understanding to things as well. So it's it's just... So the art of what is possible, I just think, is is so exciting when when you look at what has been able to be done to all of the product information and then as a nutritionist think gosh how can you use this to, to help people transition into those healthier choices yeah, yeah. definitely yeah wow <laughs> sorry marcus you got something to add there i think that is that is probably the most exciting space where uh, for us right now what danielle just um, referenced because like you said anna we we kind of started out um, looking at the um, exclusion diet space, you know, people who are affected by allergy or intolerance or who need to cut out specific or who want to cut out specific foods from their diet. Because as soon as you go on any form of exclusion diet, you run into immediate problems, you run into frustrations. And that's fundamentally the problem we want to solve. And then as we developed and evolved our technology, we realized people either want to or need to really lead healthier lives. 88% of Americans are metabolically unhealthy. You know, you know the obesity rates are going through the uh, roof and even childhood obesity is a significant problem now. And technology has a significant 
um, role to play in really helping people lead healthier lives, you know. And um, and and I'm optimistic that it 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 can all, it can make it not just easier. Um, it needs to make it easier in order to be successful. And we've seen, you know, when you look at how. Um, um, Fitbit, for example, has revolutionized fitness, right? My grandmother is counting her steps because they've made <laughs> it fun. They've gamified it, you know, all of the, oh, you have to get your 5,000 steps in every day. And, and why can't we do the same for nutrition, you know, and make it fun, make it trackable? Because even I've been in this space for almost nine years now. I don't know how much salt I'm supposed to consume on a daily basis, what the threshold is. I certainly don't know how much salt I could, I'm consuming. I'm not, I'm not counting up, you know, it's impossible, it's impractical. But just imagine technology that is integrated somehow into your smartwatch or into your smart fridge, and that helps you understand what you consume, give you real-time advice and reward positive uh, actions, you know? And I think that is fundamentally how we will change behaviors and outcomes. Gosh, now you've got me thinking about the, the yeah. What does what does ten years look like then? Am I going to go into my fridge and I'm going to have the food products that I've bought in the supermarket, the fresh items, and will some sort of magic be able to tell me what that if you know what I take out, <laughs> be able to put that into what I've consumed during a day? Is it going to be as clever as that? And how far away is that? I would hope so. I mean, if you look at how life science is evolving and how some of your biomarkers can already be tracked, be, get, get tracked in real time, right? Yeah. Whether it's your glucose, why, why can't we track nutrition in real time? Um, I mean, there are toilets in Japan now that give you a real time readout, yep. which is yep. a bit, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, it, it, I think technology is moving at such a, a pace now. Um, I think we will definitely see more enablement and more integrated experiences and yeah. if, if consumers want it, you know, if they opt into it. Because um, on the flip side, there are also dangers, you know, there's some privacy concerns, potentially what happens to this data that is di digitally available somewhere in an app, in an app, in a, in a watch or in chat GPT. <laughs> um, what happens with that data, you know, can it be misabused? Um, but if, if I receive an appropriate service, I'd be happy to opt into a service if, if I can trust it. Yeah. Uh, if I get trust is so important. relevant advice. Yeah. yeah, I would love, I would love to get real time nutrition advice. You probably saw that study by Zoe a few months ago that showed that if you have a bad night's sleep, it takes you twice as long to digest a muffin the next morning, right? Yeah, there's so a lot yeah, of info about sleep out there that's, that's coming out, isn't there? And how that affects your choices the next day. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So that can be tracked in real time, your, your, the quality of your sleep. So just imagine that can be tied to giving you adequate real-time dietary advice. Yeah. Because if you didn't sleep well last night, then why can't you get a ping from your watch that says, you know, easy on the sugars, you know, yeah. maybe you want a high-fiber breakfast and then you're going to feel great. Mm. Um, so those types of scenarios, I think, you know, I, I mean, you're uh, nutrition experts. What I also love about the world of nutrition is that ancient, ancient knowledge is now being scientifically proven, right? You literally are what you eat. You know, some you know, one person's 
um, poison is somebody else's medicine. Those things are being proven by science, you know, that at the heart of holistic health is good nutrition. And yet nutrition somehow is a blind spot within life science. It's not, it's, there's no integrated uh, user experience. And I think that's, that is coming together, you know, those, um, those things, you know, bi biomarkers are going to be mapped against nutrition and then hopefully we will be able to get real-time nutrition and dietary advice and understand the impact of what we put into our bodies in real time as well because that's the other bit when you i mean you again you will know this as, as experts but my wife it took her so long even to identify the foods she's intolerant to you know because there are no easy tests you have to yeah. it's yeah it's go certainly not easy to do that without the help of a, a nutrition expert which is often the dietitian in that case yeah. yeah absolutely and i think this is you know we are at a time where our health service in the uk is is you know under tremendous pressure and we're in the midst of a cost of living crisis where ultimately price is always up there as a key reason why people select different foods but you know for so many there are barriers to those healthier choices um, and actually there should always be choices there, but sometimes finding it, sometimes being able to find it, sometimes it be actually being available there. You know, there are huge challenges that actually this could also help us identify what they are and start to be able to turn them into enablers. You know, use tech as an enabler for people who are currently experiencing barriers to, to accessing that healthier choice. Um, and I think that's just so exciting, you know, um, because, well, we've had in series one, we, we spoke to Jude from the social supermarket and, you know, she was very much saying that, that those people that she helps across those communities want to be able to choose healthy, sustainable foods in the same way as people who live in other communities might want to do that too. So I think that whole how can tech help provide a service to everybody versus you know, I guess that the traditional kind of assumption that wealth mm. and health go hand in hand. And, and you know, we've seen mm -hmm. with the, the widening of health inequalities that that's, that that's something that absolutely needs to be addressed. So, you know, there's just so, so much potential across that whole spectrum to start thinking about how can you get into that piece around food being a part of preventative health care, but for everybody, you mm. know. Um, because there has to be choice. It has to be across lots of different price points for food, for example, to be able to be available to everybody. You know, we've got to look at the geographies, all of those things that can help us understand where the gaps are as much as it can help as well direct people to where some of those options are for them. So, yeah, it's lots to think about. <laughs> yep. yep. There certainly is. Um, now, we've, we've used a few phrases throughout this conversation already, and I think we probably should take a little step back and just explain what all of these really mean because to be honest I am not as clued up on this as I would like to be so obviously we've mentioned artificial intelligence um generative artificial intelligence gen ai comes out a bit and you've also mentioned chat gpt I was about to say gpc getting that wrong <laughs> straight away um can you just give us you know the idiot's guide to exactly what those phrases mean and 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 then we can we've got a couple more more detailed questions to ask you about you know how does that really integrate with nutrition yeah sure so ai so ai obviously stands for artificial intelligence and we we use artificial intelligence 
in order to process huge amounts of unstructured data, which is what it excels at. Machine learning is another term that is. Machine learning is a subset of um, artificial intelligence. And it really just implies that, um, I mean, you need to, so basically think, AI, uh, machine learning models are basically a recipe. Just like if you if you if you have a recipe for cake, we've created a recipe for food classification. Really, that's fundamentally what it is. And the AI piece just gives you incredible scalability. We crunch fourteen billion data points on a daily basis. You couldn't wow. do that in Excel. You know? That's unbelievable. It is. I was it, impressed with the seventeen million stat I found yeah. earlier. Now we're talking fourteen billion. Yeah, it's. Wow. Uh, I mean, it's significant, and and the, one of the great, great benefits of machine learning and AI is the more data you feed the beast, the smarter it gets. That's why we've been doing this for almost. We've been training our models for almost eight years, and they they are incredibly accurate now, um, which is one of the biggest biggest benefits of artificial intelligence. Um, so generative AI is also, it's really exciting what is happening in the world of te technology. And ba basically ge um, generative AI uh, means, oh, it just, what it really just means is you can um, interact with, um, with software. So okay. if you go to Google and you search for, uh, for a, a, a vegan low-sold recipe, it comes back with, with thousands and thousands of recipe suggestions, right? That's how search engines ha have been working for the last 20 years. They just try to find the most relevant result, but then you can't really interact with it. In a general, you can almost think of it as conversational, um, in, uh, it's a conversational interaction. So if you have used ChatGPT, for example, mm, with, yeah, which is go based on, it's, it's uh, I mean, it's a fascinating experience mm. because you can start to, interact with it so you say same example give me give me a low salt vegan recipe and then it comes back with a bunch of suggestions and then you can say well this is pretty good but i don't like mushrooms do you have something else and then it, and then it, it ref, keeps refining its answer and um and you can also respond to highly complex queries so you can punch in three sentences or, or even you know you can ask it to summarize an entire essay or you know give you a synopsis of a book and that is um, why it is so powerful because it allows you to interact with it um, in the world in our specific uh, uh, world in the world of nutrition you can of course go to chat GPT and say look my household has got specific requirements I'm feeling a little bit bloaty when I eat this stuff what do you think it that is and it starts it, it basically goes back to its reference library which is literally billions and billions of texts which has been which have been used to train the language model behind chat GPT <clears throat> and then it tries to find an appropriate answer um, I mean chat GPT has just passed the bar exam in the UK you know can you imagine that really so, it is astonishing. I mean, it is absolutely astonishing. Uh, and how, given how new the technology is, it's astonishing how accurate and and transform transformative it is. There are some underlying issues with technology like that, um, because with, especially with ChatGPT, it doesn't actually give you the source of the information. So when you go, and it's also based on open source. It's Open AI is the company that owns ChatGPT. And it's entirely built around open source um, information, which in many ways is great. 
uh, and in many, many ways, it's a phenomenal resource to use. It, it can become problematic when you are not necessarily, when you are not a subject matter expert and you can't assess the accuracy of the response. So in a medical context or in a nutritional context, it, it can be actually dangerous to rely on the information it comes back with because the, one of the problems is it, it is incredibly uh, strong as a resource. It's actually very, very good. And when you look at the response, it's very credible. And often it is absolutely spot on. The problem is every now and then it's not right and it feeds you wrong information. And unless you are a subject matter expert, you wouldn't know. And if you then start relying on the advice you're getting, you could, be, you could run into problems. There, there have been many, I mean, pretty much every day there's some report in the press that says you shouldn't rely on ChatGPT for nutritional advice or for medical advice because of that reason. Because first of all, you don't know, it could, you don't know where the data is coming from. So it could be some Instagram influencer who's decided that a specific food is good or bad for you. And then that becomes part of the answer and you don't know. You don't know the credibility of that statement. Um, there's another strange scenario happening with these types of um, language models, and that includes Google as well. But I don't know if you've come across the term hallucination, but I sometimes they go off and they, they they literally make up stuff. I've researched. I went in and and I asked, "Give me the history of Spoon Guru," and it started uh, coming back with some totally factual responses and then all of a sudden it it, it listed our our previous uh, work history and it made up companies i worked for it made up jobs i had in the past and well, it's, that, that's quite I frightening mean, actually isn't it it is and also it's it's just it is very frightening and also there's no need i mean why would you if, yeah well, why is why that why would happening? you make up so that's a big problem yeah and, um, so it's called hallucinations and that's a big phenomenon as well and why would it go off? Yeah. Because it wouldn't have been programmed, right? It wouldn't have been programmed to make up facts. But somehow they, because they're autonomous now, um, uh, they somehow, it, the, somehow it decides, you know, I, I need to, <laughs> I need to embellish my answer. I don't know. It's, it's yeah. utterly strange. And that's yeah. really and important for us to know about, isn't it really? Absolutely. And I think that is something for, you know, listeners to think about you know have a go and, and read it it can sound you know I've read some reports coming back and it sounds very accurate very you know in terms of the terminology used highly scientific it references food-based published food-based dietary guidelines but actually there are there are countless examples there that show um, academics um, with papers mentioned that they didn't write um <laughs> is interpreted the data incorrectly. Um, so yes, not always, but at times it is. So so I think, you know, it's, I, I think my sort of view from our professional piece is that we need to step up and we need to work with, you know, those within technology to be able to make sure what gets created is safe and accurate and really does help push the positive that that it has the potential to do but we also have to be you know I think sometimes we, we can fear what we don't know and you know AI Anna you've been really honest it's something that's completely new to you it's been completely new to me 
actually I would encourage everybody to to you know start start listening and start acting there because as a profession we we have a responsibility to make sure that we could do what we can to ensure that credibility and that accuracy and that safety because you know there are examples um where they have reviewed um some of the meal plans that have been generated and and they haven't been accurate contained an allergen um when it, it was supposed to be an allergen free diet for example you know and those are risks that cannot ever be taken um so it, you know it is it's it's hugely innovative but we we have to make sure we are thinking from a from a professional capacity about what is accurate and what reflects the evidence and as marcus says make sure that we look back to that evidence and not assume that at the moment what is being shown as you know in any way quoted it is actually what the paper said yeah I mean, in a way, you could say this isn't that different to one of the massive challenges we've had as nutritionists over the last, well, forever, really, in terms of, you know, getting the right information out to consumers has always been a real challenge, you know, versus maybe the Instagram influencer that you mentioned before, Marcus, you know, getting our voices heard. And now Mm. we're kind of battling against the bots to a certain extent as well. So how can we work in that really collaborative way to to make Mm. sure that? right information gets out and, and presumably that's why you do have seven nutritionists within your team is is that why that combination is really important to you personally as and for your business yeah absolutely and also we see our role not as as uh, uh, as, as someone who would replace um experts with machines we think the opposite needs to happen we want to be assisting you know professionals we want to assist uh, uh, medics and professional uh, you know nutritionists and dietitians to 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 really excel what and help them excel at what they're good at but take take away more of the risk if it's possible um um, help them scale their services um and you know and support them in their day-to-day activities and i think that is a real opportunity um you know where and again I've referenced the human in the loop model before. Um, technology working alongside subject matter experts, but you always need to have that human oversight. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that. If you get, if you create a world where uh, where that level of synergy is possible, I think we will have. You know, um, the opportunities are phenomenal. You know, we know food waste is such a problem. Um, health is such a huge um, chronic problem in the Western world. Um, I mean, the cost of living is a significant challenge now. So again, I think we can, if, if we are smart, we can create a, um, um, a, a solution where technology really just helps us deal, overcome some of the biggest challenges we, we have to face, you know, as humans. Excellent. Well, you, you, you certainly preempted one of my questions there, was, which was going to be, you know, should we actually be worried as nutrition professionals that we're going to be replaced by computers. But it sounds like your take is very much that we need to be all working together. We need to be helping, you know, AI get the right information out there and we can absolutely, yeah, all work in, in collaboration together. Yeah, it's a tool. And, uh, you know, when, when, when Excel first launched, you know, spreadsheets, everybody assumed that's going to be the death of accountants. It wasn't with it. It wasn't the death of accountants. It just, you know, accountants just used it as a tool. They they needed to upskill, you know. They needed to be able to use it. 
but it simplified their days. It didn't make it more complicated, and it certainly didn't put them out of out of work. Yeah. And I think the same is going to happen. I think you, you as professionals, will be able to do, will be able to, will be empowered to do an even better job by using you know, assistive technology. Excellent. Well, that is very good indeed to hear. Um, Danielle, do you have one final question for Marcus before we, we wrap up? I do. I do. Well, I think that was like hugely positive as a, as a thought to, to, to leave us with. Um, but, you know, one of the things we really like to do, Marcus, and, and I think this, um, of course, I am biased. <laughs> I am very excited about the, this whole area, um, but we really love to inspire our audience. So I guess it's it's a question around what has inspired you most in your journey so far in this whole world of, of nutrition and AI working together? Well, uh, you know, I love, um, I love um, problem statements and then trying to do my bit, you know, to solve, to solve a specific problem. Before, in my previous career, there was no problem statement, really. It was just I had a job, you know. There was no North Star, no end goal, you know. And that's what I love about this specific role. There's so many challenges in, within, and opportunities in the world of nutrition. And how can we use technology in a, in a, in a smart, effective, constructive, creative way to help, you know, help us move forward, you know. And that's, that's what uh, uh, excites me. Oh, amazing. Well, you know, I, I would I would open up that to our listeners and we would love to hear what what everybody might think in terms of answers to those to those questions. What are those problems that we're facing? And, you know, watch this space. Perhaps this is something we can we can do. Um, and yeah, look, Marcus, it's just really for me to, to close the, the episode today. Thank you so much. Um, inspirational as ever and, and thought provoking. Um, which you know I knew you would be and it's just amazing thank you so much for coming on the podcast so you could share that um, with our listeners today um, and we wish you all the very best thanks Danielle thanks Anna great talking thanks to you thanks very much for coming on thanks for listening to another episode of the Humans Nutrition Podcast proudly brought to you by Nutrition Talent Nutrition Talent is a consultancy and recruitment company specializing in the provision of nutrition expertise for more information about us and how we could work together, check out nutritiontalent.com.